stand with Aether for the call of worship. Come from a city street. Come from the busy homes and places of business. Put down your work and joyful celebration. Come, lay down your sorrows and worries. Turn your eyes toward the Savior, whom God has sent. Let all join in joyful song. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is Jesus Christ, who comes in God's name. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Southside Baptist Church on this uh, wonderful, beautiful Lord's Day. It is Palm Sunday. We're glad that you're here. All those who have gathered here to worship the one true and living God. 
For those who are guests, we especially welcome you, but we are delighted that all have gathered here today to worship together. Southside Baptist Church is a church in the heart of Five Point South. We're building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And a part of that is to reach out to this community and to those around and to those who come into this house of worship to welcome every person with the differences you might have from wherever you might come, from wherever you might be in your life's journey, to welcome you in the name of the Lord. So we do that. We would like to have a record of your attendance. Those who you'll see at the end of each pew is a little blue uh, tablet there that you can uh, put any information in there that you would like to share with us. That of your, um, any address changes for members or if you're a guest, to put your name there if we might be able to contact you. Again, we come to worship. We come to celebrate together, and a part of that is to welcome each other in the Lord's name. So we want to give you a chance to do that by passing the peace of Christ to those that are close to you. So please take a moment, look around you, stand up, venture over there, and, and greet those in the name of Jesus. As we gather back together this Palm Sunday morning, you will, uh, of course, recognize that our, our hymns are related to this particular uh, Sunday, and uh, we will sing another of them in just a moment's time. Uh, before we do that, um, may we gather together in, in prayer as we continue with the beginning of our worship. As you ride into Jerusalem, Lord, we thank you for being the King of Kings, the one who brings peace to our hearts. We thank you for the opportunity to come to this place to worship today. Beautiful weather, wonderful people, friends, new acquaintances, those who can gather and wave a palm branch towards you in welcoming you into our hearts this hour. We say that word of praise, Hosanna. We thank you for the opportunity to do that freely here in this place at this time. And we ask that this hour of worship may be dedicated to learning more of your peace, your love, your grace, that we may go out in this week and share it with a world greatly in need. In the name of that one, the King of glory, who has come to us yet again, we pray it. Amen.
Our first scripture lesson today is found in Psalm 118. We'll be reading verses 1 and 2 and 19 through 29. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, joining the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Here ends our first reading. Our second reading is from the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter, reading verses 12 through 21. In honor of the Gospel reading, will you please stand if you're able? The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, you see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. 
They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Hey, I'm glad to see you again. And we were together in Sunday school, and now we get to be together in worship today. So, tell me, this is, do you remember the name of this week, what we call this week? Holy Week, that's right. The most important week in, for all Christians around the world. I am, have always been a reader. I've enjoyed reading. You like to read? You like to read? Good. Um, I think that um, the, one of the reasons I like to read is because I think it, first of all, it teaches you new things, but also when you read something, it helps you remember things that you may already know, makes you remember things. I think the Bible does the same thing. I think when we read, uh, God wanted us to learn something new, and he also wanted us to think about him. Now, one of my favorite books, I bet, you, I bet you've heard of it, and I bet a lot of you have heard this. This is called The Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carle. And if you've, if you've read it, we read it again because it's one of the best. And um, I think that Eric Carle wrote this book because he wanted us to learn about caterpillars, the things that happened to them. But also, I think when I read this, I'm reminded of something else, and I uh, think about God's plan for the people in the world, okay? Now, we're not going to read the, every single word, but we're going to, to listen to the story. Okay, it says, In the light of the moon, a little egg lay on a leaf. What do you think is going to come out of that egg? Caterpillar. You're right. It says, on Sunday morning, the warm sun came up and popped. Out of the egg came a tiny and very hungry caterpillar. Now, I think when people were born, they're very tiny, right? And they're very hungry. So the book is a little bit like things we, we think about in our own life. So he started to look for some food, and he ate a lot of things. He ate apples and pears and plums and strawberries and oranges and it says he was still very hungry too so then he ate some he went searching for some different kinds of things he ate chocolate cake and ice cream and pickles and swiss cheese and salami a lollipop a cherry pie sausage cupcake and a slice of watermelon if you ate all that would you have a tummy ache do you think maybe he did that night he had a tummy ache you know i think sometimes people look for different kinds of things and they're trying to trying to find things that will make them happy too. There it is. 
all the different things. The next day was Sunday again. He ate through one nice green leaf, which is really what caterpillars are supposed to eat, and he felt, felt much better. Now, he wasn't a hungry anymore, and he wasn't a little caterpillar anymore. He was a big, fat caterpillar. Sort of like this, big and fat and green, and there's his little, little legs. So he built a small house called a cocoon. You know what a cocoon is? Have you ever seen one? Very tight. It's very dark inside. Nothing can get in. It's waterproof. If it rains, it stays nice and dry. And I think sometimes people like to stay by themselves, too. They may be unhappy or sad, or sometimes they just don't want people around them. You understand about that? I do, too. And inside the caterpillar, very important, miraculous things were happening. And you know, in our story that we talked about today, Jesus, after he was killed, he was put in a tomb. Remember that? It wasn't really burying. It was in a cave with a heavy, heavy stone that nobody could move because it was really heavy. No one could see in the cave, in the tomb, but really important, miraculous things were happening. Just like, just like the caterpillar. Sometimes after about two weeks, it said, he nibbled a hole in the cocoon, pushed his way out. What does it mean? He is a beautiful beautiful. He came out as something beautiful. And you know, Jesus came in the world to give us joy and beauty and happiness and mainly his love. He showed us love because God made Jesus come out of the tomb alive into something beautiful. So when we celebrate Jesus' life next Sunday, let's remember how God has taken Jesus and the people of the world out of dark places and given them a beautiful life and also his love. Can we say a prayer? Dear God, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for making the caterpillars to come out as a beautiful creation. Thank you for making us, your children, precious in your sight. Thank you for Jesus who showed us how much you always love us no matter where we are. Help us to go through this holy week and remember what you have done for us. Thank you for your love. Help us to pass this love on to other people. In Jesus' name, amen. you to join me as we enter into a period of prayer, in particular intercession, not only for ourselves, but the world in which we live in. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, on this Palm Sunday, 
we welcome you, our Savior and Lord and friend. Blessed are you, Redeemer King. You reign sovereign in our hearts. Hosanna in the highest. Like those who welcomed you into Jerusalem, we greet you that we might learn of you. We learn of you that we might love you more. Grant us grace as we continue in this Lenten season to overcome our sin. Grant us your Holy Spirit to enable us to follow you. Lord Jesus, to have your compassion, your courage, your obedience, that we might be strong enough to love our neighbors, to strive for justice, to endure the cross. As we approach the final days of Lent and enter into this very special Holy Week, be our vision when the way before us is not clear, when the way before us is not pleasant. Be our vision when our sight is dim and we are paralyzed by fear. Be our vision when insights are failing, when revelations of your grace and love and truth are rare. Be our vision that we may press on. Be our vision that we do not give up. Hear us this morning as we pray for others, those for whom every day seems to be a season of Lent, of doubt, of suffering, of fear, of sorrow. We pray for those for whom every day requires courage and sacrifice. We remember especially those who live with pain or loneliness, those who live in poverty or oppression. This morning we particularly remember you, the community of faith in Egypt, in the two Coptic churches that were attacked with bombs this morning, for those who died and for those who were seriously wounded. And we remember with concern the conflict in Syria and the lives of those who have been lost in that war zone that seems to be irresolvable. We hold this world before you, a world in pain, conflict, and ask that you reach out with your powerful hand to heal, protect, and restore. And use us, we pray, to be at times the answer to our own prayers and the answer to the prayers of those who cry out to you. We pray for your church, that congregations of faith may be a home for the lost, a haven for the oppressed, and a source of healing for those broken by life circumstances. And Lord, may we be that community in this place in Birmingham, Alabama. So we place into your hands, gracious God, those who are upon our hearts, whose names we silently bring to you this morning. We commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who taught us to pray with confidence, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Holy Week brings us face to face with the best and the worst in human humanity, the highest and lowest moments of human capability, the most holy and the most demonic aspects of what it means to live in our world. The Lord of glory will be nailed to a cross. The disciples will fall asleep in Gethsemane. And Peter, who said three times he would never say that he would deny his Lord, will break down and deny him. And Judas will betray him. Most of the rest of the disciples will run away, frightened, not knowing what the future holds. The crowd will call for blood and Pilate will wash his hands. But a woman will anoint the body of Jesus in preparation for his burial. Simon of Cyrene will take the cross of Jesus on the Via Dolorosa. The women will gather at the cross. They will not run away. Joseph Arimathea will step forward and offer a tomb for the body of Jesus. And here on Palm Sunday, the crowd experiences immense joy. They shout Hosanna, they wave their palm branches, spread their cloaks on the road in front of their king. The beginning of Holy Week. It's a week that's filled with paradoxes and it all begins on Palm Sunday. Deliberately this morning, as you look to the front of the church, you will see there are no flowers. You will see that there are green shoots. We're reminded that at the beginning of this week, there is sorrow. There is sorrow in our own hearts as we look inward, as we on this Lenten season have discovered areas in our life that we need to take away in order to become more faithful followers of our Lord. We look forward to the day of resurrection, but it's not here yet. There's a long week ahead of us to think about. The crowds cry, Hosanna. But later, perhaps some of that crowd will cry, crucify, crucify. We will not have this one to reign over us. It reminds me of playing with dominoes. You make a long snake by lining every domino piece with their dots on them, about an inch apart, and you place them on their ends, and then you watch them topple over. I did a quick Google search, and there are lots of videos showing this and what happens. People obviously feel that their efforts need to be uh, set down and perhaps even go viral. But you see the dominoes knocking each other forward in all sorts of different uh, ways of doing it. And there's a domino effect in Holy Week. And it begins with this entry into Jerusalem. Each of the Gospels tells this story in a very different way. And John, who's different from the other three Gospels, is bringing his own perceptions and helping us to understand what its meaning is as we look forward to the cross. Jesus starts all the events off by getting this donkey. Other Gospels suggest that he's already determined that somebody will provide the donkey, whereas John's Gospel gives us the impression that there's just a donkey there as he goes into Jerusalem and he thinks, hey, I might go and sit in that donkey and go the rest of the way. You would think that it's all happening by chance, but it's not. And John sees this. And John, in telling the story, takes a, a verse from the Hebrew Bible and he begins to see that this is the fulfillment of all God's plans and purposes. 
Jesus coming into Jerusalem riding, not upon a war horse, not as a triumphant conqueror, not as a political messiah, but as somebody who is going to offer his life as a sacrifice for our sins. The event begins in some ways with John's account of the crowd. Earlier on, John has told us in the gospel that the crowd has been wanting to make Jesus their king. It seems to start in that incident where Jesus takes the five barley loaves and the two fish, the sandwiches the little boy had brought, and he feeds 5,000 people with it. And then John tells us, this, uh, John tells us that Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king. And he withdrew to the mountain by himself. That's the context that John sees about what's happening here as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. The crowd want to make him their kind of king, and Jesus at that point wants no part of it. We know from the end of the previous chapter, John 11, that the chief priests and Pharisees have already decided to kill Jesus because Jesus is drawing the crowds. The whole world has gone after him. For Jesus to show up in Jerusalem at this moment in time is a direct in-your-face challenge to their authority. So the crowds, anxious to push Jesus forward as king, come with their palm branches and go out to meet Jesus, singing his praises with an adaptation of Psalm 118. Save us, we beseech thee, O Lord. We beseech thee, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. They're singing about the hopes that they have within their hearts as Jewish people under the oppression of Rome. And many of them perhaps feeling that the religious authorities are also oppressing them. They want Jesus to be the kind of king that will deliver them and give them freedom. And Jesus will have no part of it. In the verses following this scene, we read of a group of people whom are called Greeks who come saying to one of the disciples, Philip, we want to meet Jesus. Who were they? Well, often they're described as being Gentiles, but they're probably not because of the word that John uses to describe them. They're Hellenists. And that's used elsewhere in Scripture to describe those who are Jewish people who are living in the diaspora, who are outside of Judea, Palestine, but they've come back for the feast that is taking place, Passover. And they say, we want to see Jesus. John seems to be bringing together the Jews who live in Jerusalem and those who have come for this Passover feast. And, and he's suggesting that they all want Jesus to be a particular kind of king and Jesus won't satisfy their appetite. So Jesus, it appears, never meets with these people directly. Rather, he goes on at this point of time to speak about his coming death, where he will demonstrate his glory. Now, that word in John's gospel is a very particular word. At the beginning of the gospel, we read that we have seen his glory, the one who comes as the only begotten son in flesh. We have seen his glory full of grace and truth. The crowd wanted to see the glory of God in power, majesty, splendor. And Jesus says, no, my glory will be seen 
as I go to the cross. There, he says, I will be lifted up. And there, I will draw all people to myself. And to begin that parable, Jesus rides on the donkey. Not riding on a war chariot. Jesus comes humbly, not doling out miracles. His gesture makes it clear that he is a king, but not the kind of king that we expect. And the disciples only understand this, John says, after the event that we call Calvary. As we worship on this Palm Sunday, we think of all that lies ahead in this Holy Week. Jesus doesn't withdraw at this moment in time to the mountains. He goes on day after day after day, coming from Bethany, going into Jerusalem, growing closer and closer to the events of Gethsemane, of Golgotha, and of his death for us on Calvary. So we ask ourselves the question this morning, what kind of Jesus do we want? What kind of king do we desire? Do we want a king that will display power and majesty and splendor? Or are we willing to recognize that the kingdom of God comes through suffering and shame and sorrow? Thirty years ago, on the night of March the 6th, 1987, a cross-channel sea ferry sailing towards England, carrying 500 people, sank in the Belgian port of Zeebrugge. 90 seconds after leaving the harbor. The assistant boatswain had fallen asleep and failed to notice that the bow doors were still open. The first officer hadn't been present to check on these doors as he should. And the boatswain had seen the doors were open, but it wasn't his job to shut them. So water gushed into the open doors and the ship capsized with the loss of nearly 200 lives. Later inquiries revealed that culpability and complacency at every level of management and staff had contributed to this terrible disaster. And yet assistant bank manager, Andrew Parker, a passenger on the ferry that night did an extraordinary thing. He saw two metal barriers and below in the gap between them, he saw the onrushing water. And he made his own body a human bridge by stretching over the two barriers. His wife and his daughter climbed over him to safety. And so did another 20 passengers on the boat. There's no doubt that in that disaster, we saw both spectrums of humanity. The depths of human failure, but the heights of human aspiration. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. During this season of Lent, we follow our Savior, our Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, all the way down the Via Dolorosa to Golgotha, where we stand beneath the cross. We are like those who came early to Jesus and, Jesus, and asked Jesus, where are you staying? Where's the place that we make our home? Well, this is it. This is the culmination of all John's story in the gospel. It is at the cross. This is where we stand with Mary. Here we stand and we gaze into the eyes of the one who gave himself for our sake and our salvation. We realize that in these moments, Jesus is stretched out 
between heaven and earth. And over that bridge we walk, we stumble, we cry, Lord, save us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sir, we want to see Jesus. And we see him this week. We see him riding in the donkey on the way to Calvary. The passage ends, we didn't read it all, but the passage ends with a call to discipleship. Jesus continues to speak after word has come to him about these Greeks who want to see Jesus. And Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, to go to the cross. He says, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And then he says to those round about it, and then he says to us who have gathered in this Palm Sunday, for those who love their life will lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. That's the call of Palm Sunday. That's a challenge to us with regard to our faith, our love, our hope. As Jesus goes to the cross, we hear the echoes of his words. If anyone will follow me, let him take up his cross. The implication is clear. To raise metaphorically our palm branches on Palm Sunday and to shout Hosanna is to follow Jesus into the city. To go down this road and that road, but particularly to go down the Via Dolorosa. To be with him in the garden, to be close to him in Pilate's courtyard. To listen to the crowd as they cry, crucify, crucify. To be with him as he's on the cross on Golgotha. And to stand there with heads bowed and to gaze at the one who loved us and gave himself for us and to say, were the whole realm of nature mine? That were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine demands my soul, my life, my all. Will you pray with me? God of amazing grace, God of wondrous love, we bow before your cross this morning and we thank you. And we ask that you would work within our hearts in these latter days of Lent to turn ever more and more from ourselves and ever more and more to you that we may love you, trust you, and obey you. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Our hymn of response this morning is 176, with waving palms and shouts of praise, they greeted Christ the Lord. Will we stand to sing 176? Shouts of praise, they 
Pray with me, please. Eternal God, creator God, loving God, we are thankful for your presence with us today, thankful for the myriad blessings you've given us, thankful for the unmerited gift of salvation through our Savior. We're thankful for the opportunity to encounter Christ ourselves here and wherever we may be or go. For these small gifts that we return to you on your investment in us, we pray that you sustain your vision for us, for our country, for the world. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. and offerings into your house. We pray, O oh Lord, that they would be blessed. But we also pray that it be used to further your kingdom in this community and beyond. In Christ's name, amen. Would you be seated for just a moment, please? First, let me welcome all those who are guests today. There are some that are here as a result of uh, selecting your class or one of those classes that has to be taken maybe at Sanford. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, all those students, we're glad you're here today and hope that you'll linger long enough for us to speak to you in the narthex. We have a little reception there uh, for all of our members here and guests. So uh, we'd like to talk to you and it might even help, you know, with Dr. Roxborough if you linger long enough. But we are glad you're here, and those guests who aren't the students but also are here today, maybe with family, we're glad that you're here, and uh, those who may have just wandered into this place to worship today. We hope that you've been warm, warmly welcomed and that you allow us to do that also uh, afterwards. There's several things we need to note about this week. One is that, uh, it, well, of course, it's Holy Week, but we'll not have our Wednesday activities as we normally would. Um, Wednesday was sort of a silent day in Holy Week. 
And so we will uh, observe that in a way, but also we'll have two other services that will uh, that we will have this week on Thursday. We normally have a contemplative service, which we will have, but it will be more of a Monday Thursday service in Memorial um, Chapel here on the second floor. So you can come and participate in that at 5:30. At six o'clock on Friday, we have a Good Friday service, and it will be at six o'clock here in the sanctuary. I hope that you will come and participate in that, and then we will all gather here again on Sunday morning to celebrate the risen Christ. And for that, we have reason to rejoice and give thanks. Hope that you will uh, join us again for that next week. Dr. Roxborough is going to come and have our benediction, and we will go out into the world. And we'll have those next service. As we go from this place, may you know that the grace, the mercy, the love of God displayed so clearly in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, will never leave you, but will be with you the days of this week and all the days of your life.